0: All right, let's uh, talk about Father's Day this morning. We're gonna start with a little video first.
1: Life is always fair. I really enjoy repeating myself over and over again. I just love when the kids talk back to me. I don't care if you get a job this summer. I don't care if you get detention. Uh, uh, I I can't open this jar. See if mom can open it. Just take your time in there, okay? No means maybe. Hey, why don't you bring that ball inside and play with it? Hey, don't put that back where you found it. Just leave it on the floor. Ew, bacon! If you put a dent in the car, it's really no big deal. It's 10 a.m. Go back to bed. Look, whatever your friends are doing, just do the exact same thing. I got more than enough sleep last night. If your friends are okay with it, then I'm okay with it. Stop signs are just a suggestion. You don't need a chaperone. You don't need a seatbelt. You don't need a savings account. You should buy the jeans with the holes in them. Hey! We're all gonna go to church, but you can just sleep in, okay? Can we please just hang out in here for another 10 minutes? Hey, can we get some more bickering back there? All right, bills! Yay, traffic! Woohoo, taxes! Yes, laundry! Hey, can you kids come in here and jump on my bed? Quick, go tell mom what happened right away. You don't need to finish your dinner. Hey, look at your phone when I'm talking to you. I wish I had a smaller TV. We got you that phone for a reason texting boys. All right, everyone, listen up. Mom and I are going out of town this weekend, so please mess up the whole house while we're gone. Please throw a few parties while we're gone. Please forget about the dog entirely while we're gone. Hey, when you're finished pouring that, can you just leave it out on the counter all day? Thanks. Really good idea.
0: Bacon, ew! Some things dads never say. Well, it is Father's Day. Somebody once noticed that father appears in the dictionary just before fatigued and just after fathead. So to all of us fat-headed, fatigued fathers, Happy Father's Day! <laughs> I've said it before. Um, sometimes holidays, days that we celebrate, like Father's Day and Mother's Day. Sometimes they can be particularly difficult. Maybe you have an estranged child or you have an estranged relationship with your mom or your dad. Uh, Maybe the relationship wasn't good when you were a child. uh, Or perhaps you've either lost a mother or father or, or you've lost a child. And so these can be difficult. But it does not mean that God's word doesn't have something to say to us. I still believe God's word has something to say to us. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6 says bring up a child in a way he should go and when they are older they will not depart from it now we we love our kids and here's the truth I mean I I really do love my kids and but now I'm in that phase where I'm getting grandkids like I don't know about the rest of you but grandkids are a hoot there's just nothing like yes yeah, yeah yeah kids are good kids are good but there's nothing like grandkids when you open a door and they go grandpa I don't know why, but I honestly think that it's almost like worship. You feel what it's like to be worshiped in a way. I I think that's kind of what God's heart is when we sit on his lap and we go, Dad, I just need to talk. Father, I just need you. It's kind of that, that same picture. Again, we love our kids and our grandkids. Sometimes they go down roads that we don't want them to go down. But in the end, I think if our hearts are open, if we lay good, solid foundations, we give them the opportunity to come back. It's kind of like the story of the prodigal son and how he returns to his father. Look, Proverbs says that, that well, I'll just let me just read Proverbs chapter one. Proverbs one, starting in verse one. Uh, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom, he said, "This is what these proverbs are about. They're for gaining wisdom, for gaining instruction and understanding of understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let them, uh, let the discerning get guidance." For understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. Look, Proverbs are uh, the way life works best. Proverbs are not promises, but they're the way life works best. So when Solomon says, if you raise up a child in the way he shall go, he will not depart. When he's older, he he will not depart from it. He's not saying that that's a promise, but he's saying, look, this is the way that it works best. If you give them a good, solid foundation, odds are they're coming back to it. They're going to see the folly of the world around them and they're going to come back to it. Proverbs are about the way life works best. And I'm pretty convinced that in the world that we live in with the trials and the troubles and the chaos, if we as believers, followers of Jesus, will take and lay a solid foundation for our kids and our grandkids, we actually have hope. That's where our hope comes from is what these what this next generation can do and can pull off was we believe that, that God is at work. Even when we know that they're going to walk off, they're going to fail, there are times that they, could, they can really blow it, we need to trust God. So we find in the process that sometimes children can even become angry. You ever had your kids get angry at you? Good, it's not just me. Yeah, sometimes kids get angry. Sometimes they say things that you really don't want to hear come out of their mouth, especially about you or me. Um, but guess what? If if we continue to let them know that the pathway is open, the whole story of the prodigal son, why, why do you think that the prodigal son came back? I think the prodigal son came back because he knew that the door was open, right? If he'd have thought that that door was closed, there's no way he'd have come back. Here he is, he's squandered, uh, all of his father's wealth or squandered his portion of it finds himself in a pig pen eating what the pigs are eating just get that picture in your head first of all okay any of you ever slopped the hogs I had the opportunity to do that when I was a kid got to feed pigs I can't imagine you know the, everything that, that mom didn't cook in the kitchen the potato peels the watermelon rinds anything that didn't get that all got went in the bucket and then we threw that out and that's what the pigs ate that's what this young man is doing in the story of the prodigal son. He goes out and he's eating what the pigs won't eat. And he finally comes to his senses, the Bible says. Comes to his senses and when he does, he has to go back. He says, you know what, I know I can go back. Look, here's something important for you as dads and I believe as, and as moms. We need to make sure that as we're raising our kids and our grandkids, make sure that they know the door is always open, right? Hotel six was not the first one who came up with that. We need to make sure that the door is open. I want to start with a passage of Scripture this morning. It maybe doesn't exactly seem fitting for Father's Day, but in the book of Thessalonians, Paul starts out Thessalonians chapter 1, and he's talking to the church at Thessalonica, and he says... He's telling them, look, you know, we were with you. We stayed with you. We're really glad to see the success that's going on. I hope you understand that while we were there, we did nothing for ourselves. We weren't trying to fool you. We weren't trying to do it. We just wanted to participate in the gospel. We just wanted to share the gospel with you. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 7, Paul says, he concludes that whole, uh, that whole section. He said, instead, we were like young children among you. We were there, we were like young all we were doing was trying to serve you. Then he says, just as a nursing mom cares for her children, so we cared for you, because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and our hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are our witnesses and so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom of glory. Paul says, listen, while we were there, we tried to treat you as good as we could. We did everything that we could. We worked hard. And what he's doing is he's setting up a pattern here. What, what actually happened was at this point, Paul was trying to get back to Thessalonica to visit the church, and he couldn't make it, so he sends his young protege, Timothy. Actually, at one point, he, he talks about Timothy as my son in the faith. My son, Timothy, is going to come to you. And Timothy goes out to the church, and when he comes back to Paul, he said, man, you can't believe what's going on in Thessalonica. You can't believe how it's just going fabulous out there. So Paul writes in this second letter. These few verses give us a picture, I believe, kind of a picture of what fatherhood is, and it's worth looking at from that perspective as we look at this I want you to just to consider a couple of these verses and we're going to look at a few key things now here's the deal you say well, well pastor I'm not really in that state of my life where I've got kids around me so much I'm not, I'm not a father or, or maybe you're sitting here and you're saying you know what my husband left and I'm a mother and I'm trying to raise these kids on my own these principles work for that Maybe you're a grandparent you're taking care of the kids and you're in, that you're, you're, your kids have abandoned. You've got to take care of them. These principles work for that. Maybe you say, I'm not involved with leading really anybody. I want to tell you something. We believe strongly at this church that part of what we need is disciplers in our congregation. We need people who are willing to look after other people. These principles fit for that as well. Everybody, I believe honestly, I believe everybody, no matter how long you've been a believer, you should have somebody who's mentoring you and you should have somebody that you're mentoring, somebody that you're pulling along. Every one of us should have somebody. You say, well, I've only been a Christian for a little while. I really don't know that much. Good, let me give you a few lessons. There's a few more things that you can gain out of God's word. Number one, Paul is saying, we need to be able to express genuine love. That's what he says here in this, in this verse. We were with you. We cared for you just like a mom is caring for her baby. We loved you so much. We were just delighted not only to share the gospel with you, but to share our lives as well. You have anybody that you're sharing your life with? I don't need you to raise your hands. Are you giving your life in a way that you're sharing? Not only do you love somebody, you're sharing your life with somebody else. Paul says, we loved you so much. In the, the Greek language, these words that Paul wrote, the Greek, there's just an intensity to this. There's an intensity to says, not, not, not like, uh, you, you, you know that we loved you, man. You, you know, we were there, right? You, you know that we loved you. You know that we loved you, right? You knew that. Nobody's what he's saying is, I can't tell you how much I love you. I want you to know, I want you to know how much I care. That's what Paul's saying. You've got to know we care so much about you that we're willing to give our lives for you. Do we have, you know, I know, that's the way I feel about my kids, right? That's the way I feel about my grandkids. What about other people in the world around us? Is there somebody that you just, you just love so much, you just can't, you just can't wait to, to pour into their lives? I think one of the reasons that that we're encouraged to love, I think one of the reasons that men, okay, I'm just going to cut right to the chase. I think one of the reasons that men are encouraged to love is because we don't really do a good job of it naturally. Guys, have you ever noticed that when you bring the baby home from the hospital, that it seems like your wives just kind of get it? They know that the head is too heavy and the neck can't support it, so no, no, prop prop that baby's head up. Like, okay. The baby's crying. Well, the baby needs something to eat. I don't know. The baby's just crying. What do they want? I don't know. They're, 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 now their diapers are full. Yeah, okay. Is that what that means? You know, we just don't know. You don't find in Scripture. You know, we're even encouraged. Men are even encouraged. Men, love your wives. You don't find too many places in Scripture where it's like wives love. Well, because wives know how to love. Men, we're just, we're not always the best at that. Right? Right? You all awake today? We're just not the best at that. You can admit it. It's okay. Amen. Father's Day, we usually get beat up on. I'm not trying to beat up on you, but we're encouraged to love one another. It's an important character trait for men to figure out how do we do this? How do we express love? We had a, a guy in this church not all that long ago. He's, he's moved since now uh, in the last year or so. But, but uh, after I got to know him a little bit, one day I walked up and I gave him a hug, and he, was, he told me, he said, I'm 74 years old. He stood there looks like a, like a rock, giving him a hug. He's like, I'm 74 years old. I haven't been hugged since I was a kid. I've never been hugged by a man. So he told me, that doesn't have to be weird, right? We live in a world where it gets a little weird. But the church needs to be above that. We're told to love each other, greet each other with a holy kiss. We can even do that. What? <laughs> Where do the lawsuits start? We, we, we can love each other, folks. Do you know that? We're encouraged in Scripture to love one another. Dads don't always know how to do that. I can't tell you how many times I've had people sitting at my desk who are so, they can't, they can't figure out, they, they're, they're, they can be harsh with their kids, they can talk all kinds of things, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. When do they just go up and give their kid a hug and love them? Dads, love your children. Love your, don't be afraid to give your kid a hug. Don't be afraid to tell them how much you care about them. Paul says, we loved you so much. We're so glad we loved you so much that we were laying down our lives for you. I'm not trying to brag, Paul says. Read that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you, man, we loved you that much. Here's a challenge for you. I'm going to challenge you. Again, you might say, well, I'm, I'm past that point in my life. Well, get back to that point in your life. Men, women, get back to that point in your life. If you're a grandpa, or if you're a dad, or if you're estranged from your kids, figure out a way to find somebody that you can just pour into. Paul says, we need to love one another. Most men need to learn how to do that. I don't understand why God has created us that way, but it's it's very true. And Maybe it's not so much that God created it. Maybe it's just the culture that we come from I, I, I could tell you story after story well I'm, you know what these guys when they finally learn what love is they're like you know what my dad never loved but I, I guess I never saw his dad care for him either Well, let's break that cycle let's change it right yeah. can we do that some of your relatives are going well just let it sink in for a while okay just let it sink in for a while we have a lot to learn this, I wrote this in my notes I'll just read it. As men we have a lot to learn. I remember the first time I held a baby. At least it just seemed like an awkward experience. It just seemed awkward. It's not that we don't love, it's not that we're idiots, it's just that we're it's just awkward. We just but, but as they grow a little bit and we're not so worried about them breaking, then then it gets a little bit easier. Our best example of fatherhood comes from our Heavenly Father. And again, that story of the prodigal son is just such a great, great story because we know that the prodigal son comes back. I'm just going to read a little bit of that. Luke chapter 15, verse 17. It says, again, we're talking about the prodigal son who's given everything away. He's living in a pig pen. Bible says, And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father's house and say to him, Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. He he actually gets back and he's walking down the road and his dad goes out to greet him and he's got this whole big story planned. He's going to tell his dad and his dad just says, I don't even care. I just love you. And he accepts him back in. Fathers, fathers, work at that. Work at that love. Work at accepting our kids. Again, I think there's something here that this son knew that he could come back. No matter how difficult things were, the father had somehow communicated. No matter how far you go, no matter what you've done, no matter how long you run, you can always come back. We need to communicate that to our kids. The second thing we see is a transparent life. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and verse 8, Paul says... So we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share not only the gospel with you, but our lives as well. I want you to notice that there is a connection between the gospel and our lives. When you leave this place and you share the gospel, it's not just telling people about Jesus. It's about sharing your life with them as well. It's not just about preaching. It's one thing to preach the gospel. It's entirely another thing to live the gospel. Paul says, when we lived with you, we not only told you the good news about Jesus, but we modeled it for you. We loved, we lived it for you. We were there with you. You not only heard us say it, but we did it as well. I can't tell you again how many times I've heard people talk about, Dad was great in church. But when he went home, he was somebody else. It was not the same person. It seems to me that if you're a Christian dad, your kids ought to know that you're a Christian dad by the way that you live your lives. Being a Christian will affect every decision that you make. It affects the values in your home. You're going to be different. You're going to be different from other dads. You're going to be different because... Of your belief in Christ. Do we, do we get that? Do we believe that? If we live in a Christian home, we have different values. We're going to deal with stress differently than non believers. We're going to deal with finances differently. How does the gospel change the way that we deal with our finances? What about humor and laughter in the home? We have joy. Do we have joy in our home? We don't even have joy in church. You guys are having a tough day today. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm off. I was busy this weekend. Maybe I didn't get. Does anybody else have unspeakable joy that's just bottled up? It's yeah. just you. Yeah. There. Yeah. Wow well, maybe he should preach, eh?
1: There should be a
0: joy in our life that's contagious. There should be a joy in our life. And, and again, I'm, I, I know it's Father's Day, but I don't think this is just about fathers. I think as believers, we should be bringing people along in our life. And those people, as we're bringing them along, whether, whether they, they know Jesus or they don't know Jesus, they should see something different in us because Christ is in us. And the Bible says, He is the hope of glory. There should be something. Your business partners should see. You know what? There's just something a little different about you. What's different? Jesus is different about us. We talk about this stuff, but how do we really live it out? I think our kids need to see that their fathers have this authentic life. They need to see someone who's real. They need to see someone whose heart is touched and is changed and who still makes mistakes and yet has the courage to admit it. Do your kids see you reaching out to your neighbors? Do your kids see you reaching out when you're hurt? Do the people that you're bringing along in life, is all they see is this plastic Christianity? Oh, you know, everything's good. I remember back in the early 80s, they used to talk about plastic Jesus. Everything was good. How's life? Oh, it's good. How's church? Oh, it's good what's going on oh it's good oh it's good it's all good you know what sometimes it's not good sometimes life is tough sometimes we deal with difficulties we had a funeral last week guess what totally caught us off guard we weren't anticipating burying Ron herb last week I remember when his sister called you know what we can see good come through it, but sometimes there are difficult things. Folks, we need to be authentic in our life. When we're bringing people along, we need to be authentic. Paul said, we loved you and we cared about you and we nurtured you. And you saw how the gospel was lived out in our lives. The next thing we see, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 here in verse 9, Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and our hardship, We worked night and day in order to not be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. I think we have a responsibility as parents to teach our children good work ethic, number one. But oftentimes, our kids don't see that. And there's there's two sides to this. There's two sides to this, dads, Dads maybe don't do real good at the, at the naturally laying out the love, but dads do a real good job usually at working. And sometimes they work too hard. And sometimes that's all the kid sees His dad is work, 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 work. And he's got no time at home. We've got to find that balance in there, dads in particular. Moms, that's not always such a big deal. But dads, that's a big deal. A, they've got to see us working. they got to know. And we have to, we have to teach our kids. One of the greatest lessons I ever I, I thought I ever had with my dad I was 12 years old. I've, you've heard the story. I was 12 years old. The car's jacked up. He's got my mom's car. She's got a, a Buick LeSabre, big, long. Things twice as long as this building. Big Buick LeSabre. <laughs> we got both front tires off. We took. My dad did the brakes on the front side of the, on the on the passenger side of the car. And i We got everything back together. And I'm rolling the tire over to him. And he said, "You need to leave that tire off." I said, "Why?" And he said, "Well, because I'm going to go up to the house." And I want you to do the other side. And you're going to have to see what it looks like when it's done. And I'm thinking either he's got a little bit of trust in me or he just got a new life insurance policy on mom. (laughs) No, not really. But I took that thing apart. And he said, whatever you do, he said, don't put the tire back on. He said, I want to come down and check it before you're done. Now, you'd have to understand, I'm 12 years old. And he's got me doing brakes on the front of the car. When 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 he came back down, I had it all back together. We had it all figured out, and he helped me adjust them. Back in those days, you had actually, actually had to adjust the brakes. We got them all adjusted, sit back together. One of the greatest learning experiences of my life. Dad didn't go around and follow behind me. He checked to make sure it was safe. He checked to make sure it was safe. Dad, are, are we giving our kids the opportunity to do things right, even if they even if we fail on occasion? Sometimes we, sometimes we blow it. Sometimes we fail. I, I have plenty of those stories as well. But... My dad taught us how to work. We need that. I, I remember again. I was probably thirteen or fourteen years old. And my responsibility was was to get all the hay raked out in the field that we'd cut a couple days before. While dad was at work, that was my job. And he was glad to tractor. I had the rake. I had that stuff. That was my job to get that done at the end. of fourteen years old. Do we give kids responsibility? Do we give our kids responsibility? What about the people that you're just nurturing and you're bringing along in their spiritual walk? What about those people? Do we encourage them to go out and you can do this? You can do this. You know, when we gather together here at the, at the end of church, somebody comes up and they need prayer. I don't just pray for everybody. Why? Because people around me need to know how to pray. It's not just me that prays, right? You lead this one. You lead this one. You lead this one. Why? Because I'm, I'm not the focus here. Christ is the focus. We need to grow up. We all need to grow up in Christ. Ephesians says that we're supposed to grow up and we're actually supposed to build the church ourselves. You all. Not just me. You all are supposed to be building the church. We need to equip each other. Right? Dads, you need to be able to teach. You need to be able to show your kids what it's like to live a godly lifestyle I read the story of a little boy whose dad was going to take him out camping and it was a it was like a like a wasn't just a camping trip it was actually a troop, there was a whole group of them all these boys from church were going out and so this little boy is just waiting for dad to come home and he's got all the stuff ready to go and of course dad's late so they can't go out Friday night so dad's going to take him on Saturday and Saturday morning little Billy gets up and he's got all of his stuff stacked in dad's truck and it's all ready to go and dad's like oh you know what i I think the weather's going to be bad and we can't do this we can't do that we can't i got so many things going on it's so bad and so he makes the little kid unload the car and this kid was telling his testimony as a older man now but he said he he remembered after he got his car unloaded he said he, he was just devastated and then he's he's we'd gone in the house and he's coming back out for something because he thought he forgot something in the car and dad was throwing the golf clubs in the car. And he left. So he knew that dad wasn't planning on going with him at all. That's a terrible dad story, isn't it? That's a terrible dad story. What do we do, folks? How authentically do we live our lives? How how well are we modeling, not only to our kids, because that's, that's like the end of the spectrum, but how well are we living our lives for our kids that they could see this is, this is what a godly parent is? That's a challenge for us. The fourth thing that Paul talks about here is genuine spirituality. In verse 10, he says, You are my witnesses, and so is God, of how holy and how righteous and blameless we were among you who believed. Back in verse 9, he said, first of all, we preach the gospel, and then he adds here, you are our witnesses, and so is God, of how we lived among you. God has commissioned dads, whether you like this or whether you don't like it, doesn't make any difference. God has commissioned dads to be head of the household. That's what he's done. He's commissioned you to be spiritual leaders. And that spiritual leadership, whether you like it or not, will either lead your family closer to God or will lead your family closer to the world. That's the way it's going to be. God's commissioned us, dads, to be leaders in our household. That's what he's told us to do. That's how he's wired us. Kids will look towards that. I've dealt with foster parents over the years. And most foster parents will tell you it doesn't make any difference how long they've fostered a kid. If that kid's parent comes in, regardless of how good or bad that parent has been, that kid's going to jump towards their parents. God has created that in the hearts of the kids. Your kids look up to you. Folks, we have people in our communities that look up to us. You have people in your lives that are looking to you for guidance. They're looking to you how we carry ourselves, whether we remain holy and blameless and, and spotless, whether we remain in a right standing with God is important to the people around us. It's important. It's important. It's not just about, it's not just about us. It's not just the world. The, the scriptures say very clearly that we are not living in a vacuum. Man does not live unto himself, nor does he die unto himself. That means that people are watching your life. However you live your life, Corey, there are people that are watching it, people that are seeing it. You've got grandkids, you've got kids. Jeff, you've got kids and grandkids. They're watching your lives. How we live our life is critical because people are watching. We've got people at work who have followed us, people who we don't even know. It's one of the great tragedies, I think, in the church today is when we see spiritual leaders fall in a church, we see somebody, oh, if that pastor had an affair. Oh, that pastor embezzled money. Oh, that pastor. The gospel gets a black eye again because we didn't live to the standard that we preached. We didn't live to the standard that we said, oh, we all need to live by that, and then the pastor fails at it. Look, this happens in our households all the time. Don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. But dad goes off and does that mom goes off and does we can't live our lives that way we need to live authentic spirituality before our kids amen Amen. you've got to be real you've got to be real we've got to be real if we say we believe in Jesus then you should your kids should know it from the time they're this big until until, grandpa should know it everybody should see that authentically in your life does it mean we'll never fail no it doesn't mean that but we need to go back and we need to make amends. We need to be authentic. We need to ask for forgiveness. We need to go and I, I, I've, I've had to apologize to a three-year-old, to my three-year-old daughter before. I mean, I've had to apologize to each one of my kids at some point for failing them. Why? Because that's what reality is. I, because I failed. We've got to be Authentic. Paul says we lived a life in front of you that was holy and it was righteous and it was blameless we preached the gospel but you also saw how we lived God has commissioned you men to be leaders in your household and we live in a culture that that goes totally against that we live in a can I say it not get in trouble we live in a culture that doesn't want any leadership in the house We don't want any leadership. No, no, no. Everybody should just get to do, you let the the kids want to feel this way, let them feel that way. Kids want to do this, let them do that. Somebody's got (laughs) to say no. Let's grow up. We need to to stand for what's right. And, And quite honestly, quite honestly, we dads have not done a real good job of that for the last 30 or 40 years. We need to stand up and we need to do what's right. Paul said, Look, the gospel is tied to our integrity. It's tied to who we are. It's tied to giving of ourselves. It's fake, otherwise. It's fake, right? If I'm going to get up and preach all about Jesus, but excuse me, I'm going to live like hell the rest of the week, it's fake then. Then I'm not giving anybody any hope not giving anybody any promise. not giving them anything to hang on to. If that's not real, if you can't live that way authentically, if you can't live your life in a right way authentically over here, then why do I believe all the good things you're saying about God over here? Why is it dads always seem to get beat up on Father's Day? Why is that? We pat moms on the back, and then we, we beat up on dads. I don't know. Dads, need we need to stand up. We need to do what's right. And and I, I, again, I'll take this to the next level. I think wherever you're at, this is not just a scripture for dads, wherever you're at, believer, Christian, if you say you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then be that. Be it all the way. Be that Monday through Sunday. Be it every day of the week. Be it when you're happy. Be it when you're sad. If you're going to say you're going to follow Jesus, then follow him. Follow him. Do it right. Follow him. Be righteous. Be holy. Be blameless. Can you imagine being blameless? Paul said, look, this is how you need to live your life. It's how he lived his life with the church at Thessalonia. And what happened? They went on and they lived fantastic lives. They made a difference in the world around them. As spiritual leaders, we're responsible. Genuine Christianity. Show that it's not just something on Sunday. Show that it's something that we live every day. If you come to church and you're carrying your Bible and you look really pious on Sunday, but you never open it the rest of the week, guess what? Your kids know that. Your family knows that. I was with my daughter, Lindsay, last week. Love you, honey. Didn't ask for permission to tell this, but I'm going to anyhow. She ordered a washer and dryer six weeks ago. And it was supposed to be delivered last Thursday. Maybe it was even the Thursday before last. Anyhow, it was supposed to be delivered on Thursday. They called her, and she ordered it because her washer died. So she's been borrowing. She's been doing laundry at a friend's house, blah, blah, blah. And so they called her the night before and said, Sorry, we can't deliver it tomorrow. She's like, Oh, no, I, got my, I took the day off because you're going to deliver it from such and such time. She said, Oh, no, you've you got to deliver it. And she's like, They said, We can't deliver it. You've got to wait till July 13th. It was another month. And she started getting hot. <laughs> no, don't you say July 13th to me. Oh, no, you got to wait till July 13th. Don't say the 13th to me. No, you got to wait. No, 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 don't say that to me. And, and so about that time, uh, oh, no, so so then she, um, so they got, they all of a sudden the person on the other end hung up on them, on her. So the next morning she called them. Well, the, before that, the lady said, well, fine, then you can come in and pick it up anytime you want. Lindsay's like, fine, we'll be there tomorrow morning. So she was mad. She called me, Dad, can you come down? Yeah, I'll come down. I'll help you. So I, I'm driving now. I drove down to Baxter to go and pick up her washer and dryer on Thursday morning. That all happen on Wednesday. Thursday morning, I drive in her driveway. Little do I know, she's on the phone with them. And she said, all right, well, just have that washer and dryer ready, and we'll come in and pick it up. And the lady's like, you can't come in and pick it up. We have to schedule when you come to pick it up. She's like, no, 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 just have it ready. We'll come and pick it up. And about that time, I drove in her driveway, and my grandson is standing in the window waving at me. Mom, Grandpa's here. She told me this afterwards. Good, maybe I won't go to jail today. So... So just as I'm walking in I'm hearing her and she's just having a fit and and it turns out that the washer not only is not in the store but it's not even in the state. So I'd just driven two hours to hour and a half to come and pick it up and so she's, she was just she's just, just ready to blow up. And so I said, look, there's other places. Just hop in a truck. Let's go, let's go buy a washer and drive. So we went out and we found another place. And it took us a couple places to find actually a set. So we found a set. We got loaded up. And she's on the worship team at the church that she goes to. And I said, I'm really glad that we didn't go into Best Buy. Because I said, you'd have laid into somebody at Best Buy, whether you wanted to or not. That's just your state of mind. You'd have laid into somebody at Best Buy. And then I said, I suppose you're on the worship team tomorrow morning at church, aren't you? She's like, "Yes." <laughs> I said, I will guarantee you somebody would have, from Best Buy would have been in the congregation, Lindsay, this is a God thing. You got to check and figure out whats we need to leave, live holy and blameless lives even when our washer doesn't show up after six weeks, Amen. right? Bill Heibel a pastor in Chicago. Was coming. He was coming from Africa, and his wife was coming from Europe. And they were supposed to meet at the at the airport in Chicago. And when he got to the airport, their luggage was lost. And he's talking about all this is going on and all the troubles that they're having, and blah 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 blah. And finally, at the end, they get him routed to Atlanta, and his wife is. They're going to ride on the same plane, and now they're supposed to get all their luggage, and the luggage not going to show up. And he's dealing with somebody at the counter for forty minutes. When he finally get all his luggage found, and they get it figured out, and they get it all, he thanked the lady for her help, and she said, "Well, thanks, Pastor Hybel." He didn't introduce himself as pastor. "Thanks, Pastor Hybel." She had been attending his church for three years. Guess what, folks? People are watching. People are watching. They watch how we live our lives. Dads, your kids watch. Your grandpas, your kids watch. Moms, your kids watch. They're seeing. You're seeing. You're telling people all about Jesus. We're telling them we've got a new life. Well, we better live that out. Paul says, we were blameless in the way that we lived our lives. And that's what gives power to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what gives power to the message. Otherwise, we tell somebody all about Jesus, and then we go and cut our legs right out from under ourselves by the way that we behave. I say it often. Grow up. Church, grow up. Grow up. Be the people that we claim that we are. Dan Benson in his book Total Man said, Dads don't have a hard time with words. They have a hard time with good words. He says, for every positive thing that a man says to his kid, on average, he says 10 negative things. Stop that. Don't do that. You can't do that. You shouldn't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do... When do we encourage? How do we build up? We have a responsibility as believers. Man, woman, I don't care who you are. Father, mother, grandmother, grandfather. There are people who are watching. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. Paul says, For what is our hope and our joy or our crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. What Paul is saying there is, we lived our lives among you as honorably and as respectably and the best that we could. When we presented the gospel, we did it with integrity. We gave you our lives, and because of that, you're our honor, you're our glory, you're our joy. How you live this all out, that's what gives us glory. That's what, that's what, reflects Christ is the fact that you're following Jesus. That you're doing it right. People tell me, I've had this conversation a hundred times. You've got to be so proud of your kids. You've got to be so proud of your kids. You got. I am. I'm very proud of my kids. I'm glad that the way they live their life. I'm glad that they're following Jesus. I'm glad that they're all involved in church. That's actually the glory of my life. If there's anything that's good that's come out of my life, it's Christ in them. You know that? Amen. That's the hope, is that our kids will follow in this... And they do it when we live lives of integrity. Bye, son. Didn't mean to say put you up. Just go ahead and pat him on the back, and he gets up and leaves. See <coughs> where that goes. Look, folks, the challenge for us, again, whether you're father, mother, grandmother, grandfather, whether you're just beginning to follow Jesus, you live a life of integrity. If you're going to preach the gospel to anybody, you better make sure that your heart and your life are open to live it. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for each person here today. We thank you for your word. We ask you, God, to just bless this afternoon. Why don't all the dads stand up? If you're a dad or a granddad here, why don't you stand up? We want to pray God's blessing over your life. You're standing next to him. Go ahead and put your hand on him. Father, just thank you so much for these men. I thank you. For God, that they're here, they're in church, they're hearing your word, they're hearing the challenge of your word. Father, I pray that these men will begin to live their lives or continue to live their lives in such a way that the gospel of Jesus Christ is reflected. God, that they would understand that people are watching them continuously. Their kids, their grandkids, their grandkids' friends, their kids' friends are watching them. They're trying to see if what they say measures up to what they do and how they actually live their life. So, Lord, I pray that each one of us would take seriously the role that you've given us as leaders, as men. Seriously, we'd take that role to be a light in a dark place. We would give our lives and not just preach empty words, but we would actually live what we preach in Jesus' name. Amen.